Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Thanks, Utsile. It's six minutes past 12. Indeed, this is a Midday Live, SAFM, 104 to 107. It's your Wednesday midweek edition. Welcome. It's good to have you with us till one this afternoon. Some of the stories that uh, we're looking at this hour, police uh, confirming the crackdown of what they call one of uh, South Africa's biggest child pornography rings. Six men have been arrested in five provinces. Now, listen to this, including a principal who is also an award-winning author, two teachers, a lawyer, a dermatologist, and a businessman. So what does this mean? We welcome your SMSs 34701. 34701. Your tweets also are welcome at Gualabi News at SAFM Midday Live. Emails also Gualabi at sabc.co.za. And of course, I will go to Egypt where the UN's head of political affairs in Egypt is to meet with a cross-section of the country's political players, including the Muslim Brotherhood. So we'll be telling you more about uh, that uh, story also, and uh, many others coming through between now and one this afternoon. Our top story, the Arms Procurement Commission resumed its sitting this morning with uh, Rear Admiral Rusty Higgs giving evidence. Evidence leader Simi uh, Simi Lebala questioned Higgs on uh, the importance of uh, military uniform and the code of conduct uh, for the SANDF. He further questioned him on whether the strategic defense procurement packages that bought new weapons for the Navy and Air Force complied with the requirements of the country's constitution. For more on this now, we say good afternoon to our reporter who is on this story, Joseph Mosia. Joseph, how did the Rear Admiral Higgs respond to these questions? Uh, good afternoon, Bongi. Uh, Admiral, uh, Admiral uh, Higgs uh, actually de- uh, replied that uh, the, 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 the procurement was actually in line with the, the Defense Forces mandate to defend the country against all kinds of, of threats, including protecting its, uh, its resources. And, 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 and it, it, he, he spoke about the role of the uh, defense force as being to be, as, as needing to have the, capa- the capability to use force, and that these weapons were actually the, uh, uh, in line with that mandate of carrying out the, 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 the force design that was uh, worked on by Parliament and, 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 and others. Uh, that, that was very inclusive. Mm. And uh, we'll come to uh, the withdrawal of uh, the legal representatives uh, for former President uh, Tabombeg and others. But uh, let's stay with uh, the evidence coming out uh, uh, of, of what has been presented so far. What else came out of, uh, of uh, this, this questioning, cross-questioning, if you were, and, and the answers coming through from uh, uh, Rusty Higgs? Yes, what is happening is that the, uh, the, the, the admiral is now being led by evidence leader, Mr. Lebala. Uh, what, what he's doing, he's going through the evidence, the written evidence that uh, Admiral Re, uh, Re Admiral Higgs has uh, presented to the, to the commission. And he's taking step by, he's taking him step by step through the evidence that he has, he has submitted. So at the moment they were, they were still talking about the white paper process that led to uh, the decisions uh, uh, as to what kind of, of defense force was going to be needed in, in the end and what, what, what kind of equipment would be needed. He, is, he, he just finished speaking about the, 
the issue of the uh, the, 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 the defense review, which went hand, uh, which was uh, at the same time as the as the white paper process. These were the policy formulations. Uh, the white paper was a policy formulation as to what kind of defense force that the new South Africa need as compared to what what was obtaining in the past. So this this is the the, the kind of evidence he's busy giving at the moment. So is it becoming? I know it's early days, but is it becoming clear? and clearer at least as to whether there was a need for South Africa to even begin thinking about procuring arms at that stage. Uh, you will remember that we're talking to, about members of the defense force, and these are senior officers. Obviously, they are at this stage, they are justifying uh, why there was a need for for these weapons. And as far as they are concerned, and as far as their evidence, it becomes clear that the, the, uh, because of the isolation of, the, of South Africa before 1994, and the, 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 the type of equipment that they had, when the new government came in, there was a need to refurbish the, 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 the defense force with new equipment and, and get them modern equipment because they, they were using quite outdated uh, equipment at the time. So uh, as far as him and uh, the and Admiral Green, who was here before him yesterday, uh, are concerned, there was a definite need for new, uh, new weaponry. And from what they are explaining, one can see why there was a need for new equipment. Now, let's talk about the withdrawal of uh, the legal representatives or former President Tabombegi and the cabinet ministers who are due to appear before the commission. Do we know why and how uh, uh, the commission is, is dealing with this? No, but the, 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 the legal representatives of the Tabombegi Foundation, they, they were here the, as... as, as uh, uh, the, the advocate Botswana put it yesterday as uh, attorneys of record. What, what this means is that uh, they are representing the foundation in terms of uh, the proceedings as they are happening now. So uh, when when the time of the deputy of the former president comes and the former ministers, the, whatever has been said up to now, it is on the record as far as these uh, their side is concerned. But what it means now is that it might happen that. When they come, some of the evidence that is continuing now, they might have to uh, go through it again uh, because they are not here as attorneys of, of record. But it does not affect uh, the, the, the former president's uh, participation in himself in the, in, the, in, the, in the commission in terms of giving evidence. Well, all it means is that his lawyers are not participating at this stage because of uh, the, what they say are issues that they have raised with evidence leaders that have not yet been resolved. I have not, uh, unfortunately, been able to get hold of him uh, up to this, uh, this stage, uh, that is Advocate Botswana, to find out what the specific issues are, because he wouldn't uh, say what the issues were yesterday. All right, uh, thank you very much uh, to uh, our reporter there, Joseph Musia, at 13 minutes past 12. Do you want to learn how to pitch your business idea effectively? Do you want to take your existing business to the next level? Engine Pitch and Polish, in association with SAFM, is setting the stage for entrepreneurs. If you believe in your business idea and would like some guidance, then we want you to attend our inspiring workshop where you will receive expert training and tips. This free workshop is coming to a town near you. For more info, SMS PITCH, your name and city, to 45982. Register online at pitchandpolish.com or phone 011-566-2000. SMS costs 150. T&C supply. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107.
And our top story this hour, NUMSA Regional Secretary Nkwazulu Natal Mbuso Ngubane has claimed that the strike at a Toyota plant at Prospecting, south of Durban, has affected some manufacturing components in the car manufacturing industry. Looking at the markets at this hour, gold is trading at $1,362.30 an ounce, platinum at $1,513.50 an ounce, the rand is trading at 10 rand 30 cents against the US dollar, at 16 rand 10 cents to the pound, and at 13 rand 70 cents to the euro. You strike a woman, you strike a rock. I thought I would pray. I didn't know my own strength, and I crashed down. This iconic phrase has come to represent an entire generation. When the chips were down and all hope was lost, when we couldn't even imagine a solution, you were strong enough to stand up and fight. Your courage is the building block of this nation. Your femininity, never a weakness, but always a secret strength. We thank you for the contribution you've made from the grassroots up. To the nation's pillars, we salute you. And SAFM wishes you a happy woman's month. Midday live on SAFM, 104 to 107. 15 minutes past 12. This is a Midday Live, SAFM 104 to 107. Police have confirmed the crackdown. Uh, of what they call one of South Africa's biggest child pornography rings. Six men have been arrested in five provinces, including a principal who is also an award-winning author, two teachers, a lawyer, a dermatologist, and a businessman. The syndicate is suspected to have links to various European countries. Five of the men have already appeared in court on various charges relating to the possession of uh, child pornography. Earlier, my colleague Tsepiso Makwetla on uh, AM Live spoke to the police uh, spokesperson, Lieutenant General Solomon Mohale, about this matter. There is also uh, somebody who is an IT specialist. We've recovered um, a number of uh, DVDs uh, with uh, external hard drives, cell phones, uh, books, and uh, various other items that we've now given to our cyber crime unit. They're going to look at it, download. Because of primary concern, again, uh, is that uh, there could have been children, South African children involved in this. We need to get hold of them so that we can ensure that they receive the necessary um, assistance. And we appeal to any member of the public out there who may have information to contact us. Based on the information at hand at the moment, it appears that they were also manufacturing um, child pornography in South Africa, so they may have made contact with uh, children here. What is also of concern is, of course, the involvement of, of teachers and a former head, head uh, headmaster. So that, that tells you that there's a likelihood that uh, South African children may have been involved. Lieutenant Solomon, uh, General Solomon Mukhale, spokesperson for the police. For more now, we speak to the head of uh, Department for Community Awareness and Prevention Program at Childline Gauteng, Kita Demen. Good afternoon to you, ma'am. All right, uh, Gita Denen uh, is not on the line to talk some more uh, about this. As you heard, police uh, confirming the crackdown of what they call one of South Africa's biggest child pornography rings. Six men have been arrested in five provinces, including a principal 
who is also an award-winning author to teachers, a lawyer, a dermatologist, and a businessman. Just a couple of SMSs coming through, one saying that uh, uh, it simple means uh, human beings are not what they make themselves to be. We are evil beings, that's all says uh, Konzi there. And uh, this one uh, coming through from uh, Cape Town, it says, uh, Pawn Ring, we must also advertise, uh, advertise worldwide. If caught of any crime, only a slap on the fingers will be given. Uh, that's M in Cape Town there. And Sianda writes, UN moves quickly to stabilize Egypt, isolating AU. It's a USA policy under Obama. To them, Egypt is not in Africa. It uh, also shows how weak uh, in AU since uh, 2007, says Sianda uh, there. Let's uh, go back now to Gita Denen, uh, who is the head of a Department for Community Awareness and uh, Prevention Program at Childline Gauteng. Uh, apologies for uh, keeping you long on the line there, uh, but uh, welcome back. We, we're talking about uh, police uh, confirming uh, a crackdown, really, uh, uh, on what they call one of South Africa's biggest child pornography rings. What do you make of this? Look, I think it's a, it's, it's it's potentially very exciting. Um, the, the production and distribution of child pornography globally is a growing issue, um, as is pornography in general, and. The fact that we are able to track these people down, make arrests, and hopefully go on through the criminal justice system is a very positive step indeed. Uh, but uh, the, 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 the child pornography business is a, is a big business. It's a, it's a huge sector. There are cartels and cartels operating not mm-hmm. only in South Africa, but as we said, European countries as well. In, in your view, how big of a, of a business is this? I think it's, I think it's a huge business, but because... Unlike the, the general porn industry globally can be better monitored because, um, you know, it's not a, a taboo. Child pornography is a lot more difficult to monitor and, and in fact internet pornography is just very difficult to monitor altogether. So our feeling is that it is in fact a bigger problem than we imagine. What needs to be done to to deal with this issue head on? I know that uh, as uh, the the child line, you have been vocal about the the problem itself. But uh, what needs to be done, and are we doing what needs to be done to deal with it? I think very importantly, we should be speaking about the issue regularly. We need to ensure that, for example, in businesses, um, there's um, software installed to block certain sites. And that in our homes that we install um, safety measures on our computers and on our children's cell phones. Um, other than that, we need to empower our police services to be able to monitor and track the situation on the Internet on a much larger scale than they're currently able to do. Maybe and we need to work internationally. Mm, uh, maybe, uh, Kita, we, we assume that uh, we, we all know what uh, child pornography is, or even we understand what it means. Are we talking about uh, naked mm. pictures of uh, children, uh, or, or are we talking even deeper than that, uh, uh, sexual intercourse? What are we talking about when we, we're talking child pornography? Child pornography is any depiction of a person under the age of 18 in a sexually suggestive or explicit pose. So the child could be on their own naked, um, they could be in a bikini or something, but anything that could be construed as sexual in nature. 
But then it does go deeper, and of course it involves children at horrendous acts of sexual activities with adults. They are forced to do, you know, any number of horrific acts. And, and the minute you capture this either in photographic form or in film form, it becomes the production of child pornography. And the minute you send that on to somebody, share it with somebody on your, uh, you know, via internet or via social media, you become a distributor of child pornography. And if you send, if you manufacture, take these sorts of pictures or videos, or if you send them out to anybody, you are then guilty of manufacturing distribution of child pornography. But uh, also on, on television, we, we see a whole lot of, of these visuals really of, of uh, underage children being exposed to all sorts of uh, pornography. So uh, it, it takes even a, a bigger education program then to, to deal with this. It really does. It really does. Look, the exposure of children to pornography is a different matter altogether. It is also against the law. Um, allowing children access to pornography is against the law it's considered sexual abuse. But the use of children in the manufacture of these images is what's construed as child pornography. And the Films and Publications Board, of course, works tirelessly to ensure that those sorts of images never reach our TVs. The problem, of course, is adult pornography or adult soft pornography being exposed to children and then used in a way to groom children in order to then involve them in the production of child pornography. All right, uh, thank you very much, uh, Gita Denon. Uh, she is head of the uh, Department for Community Awareness uh, and Crime uh, and Prevention Program at uh, Childline Gauteng. We go to Cairo now, where the UN's head of uh, political affairs in, uh, is in Egypt to meet with uh, a cross-section of uh, the country's political players, including the Muslim Brotherhood. Jeffrey Feldman arrived in Cairo while the Secretary General in New York called for the political space to be expanded for the beleaguered party. Sean Bryce Pierce reports. It's the clearest indication yet that the military isn't backing down. Mohammed Badi's arrest comes just one day after calls from the UN Secretary General Ban Ki-moon for some easing. I have been urging that the political space for a Muslim brother should be expanded because their political space has been very much limited and by allowing Morsi, Mr. Morsi to be freed, released. And if not, uh, the transparent uh, legal process should be, uh, should be taken. As UN calls are ignored, a greater push for dialogue with the arrival of Under Secretary General Feltman in Egypt for talks. UN spokesperson Martin Esserki explained his mission. These will be uh, wide-ranging discussions with uh, a diversity of, of viewpoints, uh, and that will obviously include the interim administration. It also includes others, and that in, in itself also includes the Muslim Brotherhood. So there are a wide range, a cross-section, as I said, of society. And the key point is that he is in listening mode. He's gone there to listen to Egyptians' uh, views, and then he will be con conveying also the UN's uh, concerns and uh, our support for the, the notion of dialogue and a, a peaceful and inclusive path uh, to resolving the crisis. Adding that developments in Egypt appear to have their own internal dynamics at this point. With regard to the detention of the supreme leader of the um, Muslim Brotherhood, 
the Secretary General has uh, consistently called for the re release of Muslim Brotherhood leaders and uh, it, failing that for there to be a transparent uh, legal process so that people understand what is happening. While the United States and the European Union are reviewing their aid packages to Egypt over the uptick in violence, regional countries, particularly Saudi Arabia and Israel, have lent their financial and political backing to the interim arrangements against the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt. Sherman Bryceby's SABC News, New York. 26 past 12. This is at Midday Live on SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. The National Council of Provinces is currently conducting a two-day oversight visit in the Northwest Province. During this visit, the NCOP is expected to meet with the two municipalities, uh, Makwasi Hills and uh, Matlosana, which were placed under administration. The Section 139B intervention by the province was to help support and strengthen these municipalities and to rescue them from collapse and help with uh, financial management. From on this now, we're joined on the line by our reporter, Sentling Lehihi. Sentling, uh, just uh, talk us through the, the visit by the NCOP. Uh, what are they really trying to, to, to find out from these two municipalities? We know that uh, they are under Section 139B. Good day. What I can explain about the NCOP and the NEC of local government visit at Makwasi Hills and Matosana municipalities is just to uh, check the progress uh, by the administrators who were sent there uh, with accordance to Section 139B, uh, checking that these municipalities and the administrative flaws and mismanagement of local finances are actually corrected and also ensure that the invocation of Section 139 was the right and correct step to take to ensure that all uh, uh, municipal are actually corrected for the better benefit of the local communities there. Mm. But so then what, what are the problems with, uh, with these uh, municipalities really? Are, are we looking at uh, the, the financial management or mismanagement? Uh, are we talking about capacity or uh, fraud and corruption uh, arrive at these two municipalities? You're correct. In fact, it encapsulates all those that you have mentioned. If you look at Matosana, for instance, we had a situation where it was put under financial administration, uh, especially due to its long-standing debt with ESCOM and the Midva Water Board, which amounted to over 100 million rand. Uh, this needed and called for the intervention of uh, 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 the, the, the department and provincial authorities. Uh, as you know, that it actually did compromise service delivery in that area. If you look at the Makwasi Hill uh, municipality, for instance, uh, it actually encapsulated uh, looking at the governance shortfalls, administrative shortfalls, and service delivery challenges there. Ditsoboka as well also was met with the same type of challenges. So holistically, it's just ensuring that the service delivery mandate and uh, ensuring that uh, all, all things are run correctly and accurately for the better benefit of local communities. But uh, putting these municipalities under administration, how has that helped? Or has it worsened the situation? 
That is actually a great question. In my engagement with the DA's Chris Harding, he said that it's, it's actually not really the best step to take, whereas the situation should actually be dealt with by rooting out political deployment with, within the ANC's governance. He says that uh, the, the provinces and the country will continue to face such challenges if people who are not qualified and well-suited for positions are put in those positions due to political affiliations. So we could assume as a uh, consultant of the DA that uh, the situation will only be corrected once the runners of local municipalities are well suited to take over those positions. Since thank you very much, our reporter in the Northwest. 12.30 now and it's time for the news headlines. Thank you very much. Uh uh, we'll see you at the top of the hour Usually roundabout This time we talk to Shadow Twala Who is on between 1 and 2 But I can tell you that it's a jam-packed program Coming through uh, this afternoon It's called Otherwise And uh, just a couple of SMSs coming through UN moves quickly to stabilize Egypt Okay, I've read this one from Sianda And this one from Brian Kumalo Saying that uh, by uh, withdrawing his legal advisors It means that uh, former President Tabum Begi Won't appear before the commission Is he doing uh, this based on principle As uh, Brian Kumalo and uh, this one coming through from uh, Lerato Mkwena who says uh, Pon Gang no different uh, different from uh, our government officials uh, in it for uh, legal money uh, that's uh, what uh, Lerato says and uh, this one says uh, okay we're going to skip this one and uh, go to the one from uh, Tsepo Tau who says Begitrello was removed for uh, admin reasons but Dinapule uh, who enriched her Man friend is not. Is this uh, fair or it's uh, because he did not support so and so in Mangaung, says uh, Tsepo Tao then. The sixth edition of uh, the Development Indicators 2012 report indicates that uh, inequalities in South Africa are widening. The report looks at, among other things, economic pr- uh, growth and transformation employment, poverty and inequality, as well as education. It shows that although there are areas of concern, the country is steadily making progress. We spoke to the Minister of Performance and Evaluation, Minister Collins Chabani, yesterday, shortly after the release of the report. This report comes amid a a very depressing report by the Auditor General talking about the municipalities where really service delivery is is happening. And uh, your job is to make sure that uh, uh, these policies are implemented. You monitor and you evaluate. What is the sense that you are getting from the the municipalities insofar as service delivery and vis-a-vis the the policies that government has? And what is the problem with uh, the implementation of such policies to deliver services? In fact, the, that report concerns the worries which the Auditor General had identified uh, with regard to governance issues, but clearly on public institutions. We are, we, in the discussions with the Auditor General before the report was released, as you know, we worked very closely with the Auditor General. We had an extensive discussion and to look at what is it that we need to do uh, from the government side, from their side as they see it, uh, as to what are the issues which we need to deal with. We then agreed that we need to reflect so that we can come with suggestions how we deal with it. But in the main, the Auditor General did indicated several issues. One is the capacity of people who are employed to deliver services with a challenge. But secondly, it did raise the issue of what he called the political will, that if we have the political will from the executive level, from political level, we should be able to drive the process of change with regard to compliance in terms of the law and also including the issue of service delivery. From our side, we are doing a comparison, a comparative study 
to look at the relationship between the audit outcomes um, and also the the management, you know, that will do the management performance assessment of departments and mm. institutions. And we, we relate that to see uh, there a direct, we believe there's a direct correlation between lack systems and the poor management and also the poor audits and also service delivery challenges. And therefore, we think we'll be able to identify precisely where the area is. I think with national departments and provincial departments are beginning to do that. With municipalities, we're still at a, at a pilot stage to ensure, to ensure that we understand the challenges faced by the municipalities. So when we do an audit with regard to the systems and the performance of management systems in the, in the department, we are able to be spot on to deal with the right issue for the right institution. And uh, Minister, the Black Business Council and BUSA and uh, other uh, business leaders uh, met the president uh, the past week or two. And some of the issues that they raised really are related to labor policies. Some of these policies are stifling growth. Are you going to be uh, paying uh, serious attention to that? And uh, which of the uh, policies, insofar as labor is concerned, do you feel that they need to go? There, there are several issues to that. The first one is that we there is an assessment which is being done on the legal framework which which staffs growth, which are an impediment to growth. Probably that will fall within that context. But I think the the debate around that issue is an issue which Parliament will have to deal with uh, with regard to the to the labour. But we need to understand that within a constitutional democracy, we think there is sufficient uh, uh, the policies which have been implemented in terms of the labour laws which are there. Uh, have been agreed by society. And until society agrees that they need to be changed, for us as government is to implement to ensure that they, ha- they happen. Now that the dialogue continues between within NEDLEC and within um, the structures which are meant to deal with that, I think at the appropriate time, I think the relevant departments are going to make proposals as to what is it that they think need to be changed if anything has to be changed at all. What is the outlook of South Africa, the past 20 years and uh, the next 20 years, with the NDP in mind as well? We... We, we think we think for now that the past 20 years we as we, our report covers that spectrum we're able to show where were we in, in, in 1994 and where are we now where were we in 2012 when we release the 20 year review which will cover at least a period longer we'll be able to make that type of assessment Professor Stephen Friedman from the Center uh, for the Study of Democracy at Rhodes University and uh, the University of Johannesburg. What do you make of this report? Broadly speaking, uh, have we made good policies that talk to closing that inequality gap of the past 20 years and uh, that talks to economic growth? Well, Bongi, really the report repeats uh, the trend we found in the census. Uh, And the, the trend in the census is that if you, you know, if you simply look at at, at hard indicators like how many people have access to school and how many people have electricity and water, which are important, uh, we are making progress as a society. If you look at income inequality, we're not making progress as a society. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the Ministry of uh, Monitoring and Evaluation doesn't deal with income inequalities. It's just interested uh, in, the, in, in government performance. But if you look at what the census had to say about income inequalities, uh, really we're not making progress from where we were 18 years ago. Mm. Um, but that is a question of inequalities. You know, um, you, you mentioned the BUSA response on labor markets, for example. That's just one opinion. That's one interest group which has a particular view. Business people in this country tend to believe uh, that the labor markets are inflexible. But there are other views, um, uh, and there are other interests, and there are other opinions. 
Um, and I don't think we're going to make progress as a society on income inequality if we simply listen to one of the stakeholders. Uh, we're going to have to have processes uh, in which all the major stakeholders talk to each other uh, and negotiate with each other and, and, and make progress in that way. You're making two good comparisons, really. Uh, you're talking about uh, access to water and schools and so on on the one and the one side, but uh, on the other hand, you're talking about uh, uh, progress in uh, addressing income uh, inequalities. Yes. Which one is a good indicator of where the country is? Well, they're both important, but the issue is that if you still, if you, if you still have masses of people living in poverty, which sadly we do, uh, if you still have a situation in which uh, some of us are, are doing so much better than the rest of us, uh, then there's just so much that public services can do. Uh, it's certainly better to have uh, access to water and electricity uh, and to be in a school classroom if, uh, if you're a child than not having those things. But unless we start to address the question of these income inequalities, uh, then really we don't make the progress we need to make as a society uh, because we still have the situation in which many people are not participating in the economy uh, to the extent that they should. So really, as, as important as that progress is, we can't use it as an excuse for not dealing with the bigger issue of income inequality. Is the government listening more uh, to itself or is it listening more to what business is saying or is it uh, really looking at uh, addressing the issue of uh, poverty and listening more than to, to that voice? Well, I think the problem with the, the government's response over the last while or so is that uh, everything the government has said over the last while or so shows that it recognizes that we need to have this conversation. Uh, we need to get business, labor, government, and other stakeholders talking to each other. Uh, and yet we haven't seen terribly much action on it. And I think that is a problem. We've seen a meeting between government and senior business leaders, but we haven't seen labor as part of that process. We haven't seen some of the other uh, important institutions in our society as part of that process, professional associations, religious associations. Uh, and uh, I think that is a gap because, I, I, as I say, I just don't think we're going to solve this problem. Uh, you know, if you did exactly what the, the, the what Business Unity of South Africa wants, uh, you would alienate the labor movement. Uh, and that wouldn't be a, a good for the economy either because then we would have uh, much more labor than we have at the moment and we wouldn't be able to grow. But we, uh, Professor Friedman, we do have NEDLEC, for instance, as a platform for the convergence of uh, these ideas. Do we need another, another platform, maybe a much more bigger platform? I don't, well, yeah, that we do have NEDLEC. It's not uh, working as it should. Uh, what NEDLEC is too formalized. You see, what NEDLEC does is it processes legislation so that if you have a bowl coming up, uh, then NEDLAC will talk about it. Uh, but NEDLAC is not, uh, unfortunately, the kind of forum where you can say, well, what do we do uh, about jobs? What do we do about stimulating the energies of people in the townships and, uh, who, who are, are being productive and creative but can't get their goods to market? I, I could mention hundreds of other examples. And those conversations need to take place in another place. And they don't have to be formal, you see. That's the problem we always make as South Africans. We 
say, let's have a conference and everybody will sit around the table and we issue a declaration over three days. These are big issues. There are big differences, and it needs to be settled over a period of time. Uh, so what we need is a process. There are people in government at the moment saying we need to do this on an industry-by-industry basis, and that's probably a sensible idea. The problem is we're not seeing the action. And, and, and finally, uh, on that, uh, seeing the action, some very good policies, but uh, even the minister himself yesterday admitted that uh, the implementation is letting government down. Well, I, years ago, colleagues and I did a, a study in which we asked the question if, you know, we South Africans always say good policies, poor implementation. Uh, the question you need to ask sometimes is if the policies aren't ever implemented, are they good policies? Uh, because what may be happening is that you're developing policies which, which look very good on paper, but they're not actually fitting the capacity of the people who are supposed to actually do the work. Uh, and I think we need to have that conversation in South Africa. Are our policies realistic uh, given the human capacity we have available to us? Always a pleasure chatting to you, Professor Stephen Friedman. Thank you very much. He is with uh, the Center for the Study of Democracy at Rhodes University and the University of Johannesburg. For the first time in 16 months, South Africa's headline CPI has breached the Reserve Bank's target band of 3 to 6%. Fueled by huge increases in water and electricity prices, CPI came in above market expectations at 6.3% year-on-year for July from June's 5.5% annualized. Analysts say the Reserve Bank is unlikely to change its stance on monetary policy because of the weak economic growth environment. Dimakatsali Shoro reports. The Reserve Bank had expected inflation to average 6.3% year-on-year in the third quarter of 2013. Governor Jill Marcus last month said the central bank is forced to be more tolerant of the higher inflation because of the weaker growth. Even more concerning for the governor will be the volatile currency. The main upside risk to the inflation outlook is the exchange rate, and much will depend on the strength of the path through to inflation, which to date has been relatively muted. However... The risk remains that these pressures could be mounting, particularly if further currency weakness occurs and affects inflation expectations, which are currently anchored at the upper end of the target range. While the upside risks to the inflation outlook reduce the scope for further accommodation, a tightening of monetary policy stance does not automatically follow. This will be highly dependent on how we see the inflation trajectory unfolding in this very uncertain environment. The July number was fueled by a 9.4% increase in water tariffs as well as a 7.2% increase in electricity tariffs. The higher increase in the price of petrol is also part of the reason for the acceleration in inflation. The price of petrol, which accounts for 5.7% of the CPI basket, rose by a substantial 84 cents a litre last month. Mandla Maleka is chief economist at ESCOM. The game changer here would be if the rand remains weak in which case then it may not change or alter significantly so the position of our crude oil prices. It may even, for that matter, add more pressure to our domestic fuel prices. Analysts say today's higher-than-expected figure is skewed towards an interest rate hike, but it is unlikely that this might see an increase in interest rates. Meanwhile, the weak economic growth environment, coupled with rising inflation, are expected to continue to pose a challenge for monetary policy. Cat Capital's Elise Kruger says the Reserve Bank may view the headline inflation as a temporary move and may choose instead to focus on core inflation. I think they'll closely scrutinize that, you know, on the month of July. The core inflation ticked up a tiny bit more than what I thought as well. So I think they will definitely keep an eye on that, you know, to try and see 
if price increases are becoming more generalized. Because if they do, then it, it becomes a problem for the bank in the sense that it could stir a general a spiral on inflation, which they would probably like to prevent. But a hack in interest rate would spell trouble for consumers who are already under pressure. Most consumers have not been able to take advantage of the low interest rate environment to pay off debt, but instead have accumulated more debt. Latest figures show that the debt-to-disposable income ratio remained at 75.4%. Lending institutions are now looking to put the lead on unsecured loans as a level of consumers with impaired records continue to rise Kruger again. Debt levels have not been worked off sufficiently to get the consumer in a comfortable position. Consumers are still taking strain and we've got a, a sort of a negative scenario of rising fuel prices with that and also generally rising inflation. I mean inflation has been higher this year compared to last year so your actual real wage increase is also lower. If you had a similar similar type increase compared to the previous year, you might find your position power uh, has actually eroded. Mark has recently expressed concern about the double-digit wage demands. According to published reports, the average settlement in wage bargaining has now increased from 7.6% in 2012 to 7.9% in the first quarter of 2013. If you keep everything stable and you are hiking the wages above inflation by nature of economic theory, then you're going to have higher prices. But we know why, you know, generally why we are seeking um, higher wages for a number of reasons. But yes, we are correct. If wages have been pretty um, elevated, then they may have an impact via the demand side of the economy. For SABC News in Johannesburg, I'm Dima Gazzoleshoro. With that, we give you your lunchtime market updates. Today's JSE report is brought to you by Telcom Business. Convergence. One solution. One service provider. Telcom Business. Sudhir Singh is with Sasfin Securities. Good afternoon to you. How are the markets looking today? Bongi global markets have retreated again this morning as investors position themselves for the possibility that the US Fed will start tapering as early as its next meeting in September. European markets have been led lower by Heineken after it said it expects demand to remain weak. Over on Wall Street, uh, stocks ended its uh, longest losing streak uh, this year, last night, to end uh, higher, and uh, this was on the back of retailer Best Buy beating estimates. However, just taking a look at the U.S. stock futures, uh, these, are, these gains are likely to be short-lived. Locally, in the absence of any market, real market moving data, the JSE has followed Asian and European markets lower. In corporate news, the only thing worth mentioning is uh, Avenge announcing that its CEO has resigned after a very taxing investigation by the Competition Commission. Just taking a look at our local indices, we've got the Gold Index, which is up 1,8%. Resource 10 Index is down 0,6%. The Industrial 25 Index is currently flat, and the Financial Index is down 0,4%. Overall, the market is down around 94 points, or 0.2% to 42,671. Stocks on the move today? On the upside, we have Anglo Gold, which is up by almost 2.5% at 148 rands. ShopRite is up almost 2% at 166 rands and 20 cents. Taste is up just over 1% at 3 rands and 60 cents. SAB Miller is up 0.3% at 488 rands and 30 cents. And on the downside, we have uh, BHP Bulletin, which is down just under 1.5% to 301 rands and 90 cents. Fushini is down uh, just over 1% at 100 rands and 50 cents. MTN is down almost a percent at 189 rands and 90 cents. And lastly, we have Discovery, which is down almost half a percent at 95 rands and 10 cents. And your latest market indicators? 
Currently, we have gold, which is trading at $1,363.30 an ounce. Platinum is at $1,517 an ounce. Brent crude is at $109.50 per barrel. And finally, we have the rand, which is trading at 10 rand 20 cents to the dollar, 16 rand 10 cents to the pound, and 13 rand 70 cents to the euro. That's it from me, Bongi. Enjoy your day, Sudhir Singh of Sasfin Securities. This feature was brought to you by Telcom Business. Talk to Telcom Business about getting you on the journey to convergence with a tailor-made solution. Telcom Business. Marilyn, please can you order me a midday blood sugar leveling gastronomic experience? Lunch, sir? Yes, that's the word I was looking for. Using several words when one will get the job done doesn't make sense. Neither does using several providers when you can get voice, mobile, fixed, data, cloud and IT from one service provider. Call 10217, click telcom.co.za forward slash business or visit a Telcom Direct store and get a tailor-made solution. Convergence. One solution, one service provider. Telcom Business. South African jazz legend Satima B. Benjamin has died. She died yesterday in Cape Town. Born in Cape Town in the 1930s, Benjamin came to know American jazz and popular music through the radio, movies, records and live stage and dance band performances. She was especially moved by the voice of Billie Holiday. In 1962, she and Abdullah Ibrahim, formerly known as Dollar Brand, left South Africa together for Europe where they met and recorded with Duke Ellington. Benjamin and Ibrahim spent their lives on the move between Europe, the United States and South Africa until 1977, when they left Africa for New York City and declared their support for the African National Congress. Benjamin used her music to fight against the apartheid government by holding concerts to raise funds for the ANC. In New York, Benjamin established her own record company and recorded her music independently from Ibrahim. Benjamin was honored with the Standard Bank Joy of Jazz Lifetime Achievement Award earlier this month. Speaking to the SABC at the award ceremony, she said her love for music, especially jazz, became her entire life. I didn't do the music to be honored. And it is the second time in this country because a couple of years ago, Tabo Mbeki gave me a ikamanga, like a singer who's been doing the music for 40 years. I didn't even realize I did it for 40 years. (laughs) I will call myself a jazz singer because I am a jazz singer because I can't sing pop rock. I can't sing any of that music. When day is done and shadows fall I dream of you When day is done I think of all the joys We knew That year To hold you in my arms 
She's gone, but she'll never be forgotten. Satma B. Benjamin ought to share company with the likes of Sarah Vaughan, Billie Holiday, Dinah Washington, Ella Fitzgerald, Betty Carter, and many, many others. That tune, When Day's Done. Brilliant track. Five, two, one. When the swing of jazz meets the swing of golf, you are invited to be a part of the fourth annual Standard Bank 12 Jazz Golf Day on the 20th of August 2013 at the prestigious Ranch Park Golf Course. Entertainment by the internationally acclaimed jazz singer Renee Mari. For golf packages, email kidi at k-wave.co.za or call 072-338-2432. Joy of Jazz Golf Day, supported by SAFM, South Africa's news and information leader. My daughter became a professional musician at the age of nine, even if it was just for a day. Old Mitchell took her to play with the Johannesburg Philharmonic Orchestra and let her leave her dream of becoming a musician 15 years before it happened. I'm glad we started saving for her education early. We all have dreams. The only way of making them real is by planning. Contact your old mutual financial advisor or your broker or call 0860-606060 for advice on an education plan for your child. Let us join you through every stage of your life journey from today. Do great things. Old Mutual, a licensed financial services provider. Midday Live on SAFM, 104 to 107. Couple of SMSs coming through on 34701. This one from Mabel Ngoben in Babatin says, Dinapule lied. This is in Ben Turok's Ethics Committee report. This is enough to disqualify her as ANC member than expelling Tlokwe councillors. And this one from Nandi Palihuku says that we will have difficulty in dealing with uh, corruption if we are lenient to Dinapule Travelgate MPs, but Petla Mapetla and uh, councillors doing work with government. And finally from Stay in KwaZulu Natal saying that Bonga don't know where we are heading. People are found corrupt or have done wrong things and uh, just stand up and apologize. So that's it. Where is the law? Says Te in KwaZulu Natal. With that, it's Create with Michelle Constant.